You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. As we dive in today, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to be in a few places in Exodus, so I'm going to try to cram in a whole lot in a very short message, but uh, Exodus chapter 6 is uh, the a message of good news to the Israelites when they had been slaves for 430 years in Egypt. Now, just to put that in context for you, uh, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, captive, harshly oppressed, mistreated for four centuries, over four centuries. That's longer than the United States has been a nation. That's how long generationally they experienced that hardship And then God comes along and sends Moses, and here's what he says to them in chapter 6, verse 5. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, is God speaking, whom the Egyptians are enslaving. I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God, and then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Lastly, he says, I will bring you into the land that I swore with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. He, he tells him several things here, and uh, you know, there's, there's patterns throughout the Bible And these patterns establish what it looks like to be saved through Jesus, what it looks like to be rescued and restored and redeemed, set free from sin, brought out of our Egypt. In fact, if you're taking notes, the message title today is Leaving Egypt, because I believe all of us have an Egypt. All of us have a history. All of us have a story. All of us have areas of our life that if that one thing would change, our whole life would be better. All of us have areas of our life that try to hold us captive, and, and, and the pattern has always been that Jesus calls us out of something into something. Jesus saved us from hell for heaven. He saved us from sin for freedom. Jesus saved us from one thing for another. And in this story, God saved the Israelites. He freed them. He uses several words to describe essentially the same idea that he set them free. He redeemed them. He, he does all these things to make them his own people and to give them a promised land. Uh, as a church, we've, we've kind of reduced it to this as our mission that we want people to know Jesus That's where they find salvation. That's where we find hope in the good news of Jesus. We want people to know Jesus, to experience freedom, to find family, to find community, and then to discover our God-given purpose, that he saves us for heaven, but he also gives us a purpose on the earth. And and if I could just take you back through what I just shared with you, what did God say? He says, I'm going to bring you out. That's knowing Jesus. That's being saved. He says, I'm going to free you. Do you know that your inheritance as a child of God is not bondage to sin, it's not shame, it's not guilt, it's not torment, it's not being held captive, it's, it's not what uh, even Leslie spoke into and prayed for you today, that we'd be held captive by oppression and depression, that, that, that that's not your inheritance. As a child of God, you're called to freedom. He then says, I'll take you as my own people. We find a community redeemed, set free. You're not meant to walk through life alone. Don't do it alone. He places you in the family of God. But the last thing I love this is that we find a purpose. He says, I'm gonna redeem you and give you the land that I promised. 
What does it mean to redeem? Redeem is a biblical word, a biblical idea that he purchases us back, but it also means that he restores to its intended value and purpose. So when Jesus redeems your life and mine, he doesn't just save us from sin, he redeems us and restores us to our original intended design. And then he says, I've got a land for you. I've got a promise for you. I've got a purpose for you. And so just like the children of Israel brought out of Egypt, you and I are called to get out of our Egypt. We are called from whatever has held us captive, whatever has tied us and held us back, whatever has kept us from the purpose and plan of God. All of us have areas in our life that we wish were different. And even as Christians, this is not just for those that don't know Jesus yet. This is for every believer to experience the fullness of our inheritance in Jesus, to experience freedom from our Egypt, and to move forward in the purpose of God. Now, you think this is great news. Like, they would be super happy when Moses tells them what God just said. Verse 9, Moses reported this to the Israelites, and they did not listen to him. Because of what? Their discouragement? And their harsh labor, New King James is this way, they didn't heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. It's hard to see anything different when that's all you've known for four centuries. Yeah. It's hard to see anything different than that's what all you've known in your family. It's hard to see anything different when that's all you've seen in your neighborhood. And, and, and there's lots of things that we look at that we think nothing could be different than the way things are. I could never change. And that's the lie. I know right now at this time of year, nobody deals with family issues, right? But maybe that's your Egypt. Yeah, everybody laughed. More people responded to that than did you like the series. <laughs> we, we have an Egypt called dead religion. What, what, what's religion? Religion by itself isn't bad, but when religion takes the place of life with God, it is. It brings death instead of life. It keeps back people from knowing Jesus, knowing God, walking in their God-given purpose. That's what dead religion does. Keeps us in activity and ritual, but not knowing the person that sent Jesus. So, so it's also our sin and the guilt of our past. In fact, that's the one Egypt all of us have in common. Sin separated us from God. And it's our sin that has brought destruction. You just have to turn on the news to see the effects of sin in the world. The death and decay and destruction that sin has brought. And there's no amount of self-effort and even religion or self-help or programs we can come up with that can fix the issue of our own personal guilt and shame and our own sin. We need a savior. We need redemption. We also have fear. The Bible describes bondage of fear. Now, most of us may not say or admit that we have fear, but we do have uncertainty. We look at the world, we look at the economy, we look at our own lives, our own families, our own situation. We go, oh, I have uncertainty about the future. And I think all of these things are a result of not recognizing, especially for the Christian, what we've been given in Jesus and how to walk in it. And I'm gonna give you a few things today to know and experience real and lasting freedom in your life, how to leave Egypt. A couple things first, though. Psalm 68, verse six says, God sets the solitary, those alone, isolated, separated in families. That starts with your natural family. God designed your family for blessing. I could probably preach that after what everybody just responded to. <laughs> 
But you also have something even more so. You have the family of God. Nobody has to do life alone. God saved us, and then he adopted us into a family. So you don't have to try to make it on your own. There's other people going through what you're going through. You can connect with others, grow together. We just did a whole series on that. But, but it's important that we recognize. Then he says this. He brings those who are bound into prosperity. I'm going to define that word in a moment. He brings those who are captives into something. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. There's always been two choices. In fact, you see this in the Old Testament and then in the New. Moses would pre preach this message in Deuteronomy. I set before you, God sets before you, life and death. And if you don't know which one's better, <laughs> multiple choice test, <laughs> choose life. But what do we do? We choose death all the time. Death in our relationships. Death in unforgiveness. Death in hardship, death in, in, in brokenness, death. In, we, we choose that all the time instead of the freedom that, that he's invited us all into through Jesus. We, we, we have this choice. I know today, I, I, I forgot that there was a game. I didn't know there was a game today. Uh, sorry for everybody who was greeted by somebody in a Packers jersey. Uh, at, at the, and, and, but this is not like choosing between the Packers and the Vikings. There's, there's a good choice. Okay. There's life, and there's, okay, anyway, I just lost half the room. Um, he brings those who are bound into prosperity. That word prosperity in Hebrew is this, this is what it means. It's the Hebrew word salak. He takes those who are bound, and he brings them, and here's what this word means, to push forward, to advance, to break out. To go over, to be profitable, to be good, to prosper, to succeed, to be victorious. So there's a whole lot of things, shades of what this word means. But here's the idea, that he wants us to move forward. Where we've been bound and held captive, he wants our life to advance and move forward. There's got to be areas in your life, I know there are in mine, we can look at lots of areas and say, well, I feel like I'm advancing here, but not here. And it's those areas where God says, I want to advance you. I want you to move forward. I want you to grow. I want you to be free. I want you to experience life. Uh, Proverbs 5, verse 21 says, For your ways, our ways, are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all of our paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them, trap us. The cords of their sins hold them fast. All of our sin held us captive. For the lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly or foolishness. The Passion Version says this, for God sees everything you do. His eyes are wide open as he observes every single habit you have. Beware that your sins don't overtake you and the scars of your own conscience become the ropes that tie you up. Those who choose wickedness die for lack of self-control, for their foolish ways lead them astray, carrying them away as hostages, kidnapped captives robbed of destiny. That is not your inheritance as a child of God. Hear me. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, everything that keeps us back. Everything that keeps us bound from moving forward, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Listen, one person is easily ensnared by something that another person easily overcomes. But everybody has something that easily ensnares them. And here's the issue. There's always going to be something wanting to keep you in Egypt. And, and not all of it is sin. Sin is a part of that. But here's what he says. Lay aside every weight and the sin. Yeah. That tells me there's weights that aren't sin, but there's still weights. 
They may look like good things, but they're actually keeping us from advancing. And I just wanna ask you today, what is keeping you in Egypt? What is keeping you from moving forward? Because that's where you can't stay. Exodus 14, verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, this is a couple chapters ahead, of course, uh, Pharaoh releases the Israelites after the 10 plagues uh, that, that God brought upon Egypt, each one corresponding to a different uh, deity that the Egyptians worship. They worship the sun, so God says, I'll black out the sun. They, they worship the Nile River, God turns it to blood. Like God, God dealt with every one of those to show those are just idols, he's the living God. But here's what I want you to see. Every one of them brought them to the point where Pharaoh finally released the Israelites. And they follow a cloud out to the Red Sea. But here's, here's the story, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians march after them. So, so Pharaoh lets them go, but he doesn't leave them. He goes after them. Because even when the enemy had to let you go, even when your past lost its hold over you, even when that thing stopped gripping you, it's at some point gonna try to come back and re-pursue you. That's, that's okay? It, it, and it, that's what happened. The Egyptians pursued and marched after them. So they were afraid. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they say to Moses, were there no graves in Egypt? Why have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not what we told you in Egypt? Let us alone for, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the desert. Isn't that crazy? Like here's human nature. Is it really better that they go back to slavery in Egypt? No. But there's just something about human nature that we oftentimes make the, the, the past or, or certain things look better than they are. And yet, and, and I think that's a tactic of the enemy to keep us, hold us back, bring us back to Egypt. And, and here's what they say, it was better. Have you ever thought, man, it was easier before I was a Christian? None of the spiritual warfare stuff. Do you know why there wasn't a battle? Because the enemy knew you were his. But the day he lost you, he said, no, I can't, I can't let them go. I can't let their family go. I can't let, do you know what Pharaoh did? Pharaoh, Pharaoh had this conversation with Moses and it's, it's a whole thing. He, he tells him, he says, okay, just the men go. I'll let the men go, but the, the, your wives and children stay here. The enemy wants your family. Then, then eventually Pharaoh consents. He says, okay, you can take your family, but leave your, your stuff. And what's the point? He's after you, and he's after what God's given you to keep you from your purpose. He wants to keep you in Egypt, no matter what that looks like. And so they pursue them, and the Israelites go, oh, it was better. Oh, man, it was better for us back there. That's not true. Here's what Moses tells them. He's about to have his Braveheart moment. Like, this is the moment where Braveheart's, like, got blue face. He's marching and riding the horse. Like, okay. He says, don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will see again no more forever and the Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. Like, man, I'm ready. Let's go, Moses. Come on. But he got something wrong. All of that's true, except for one thing. One piece. And here's how I know he got one thing wrong. Watch the very next thing God says to him. The Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? <laughs> that's funny. Um, Tell the children of Israel to go forward. What did Moses get wrong? Stand still. What would have happened if the Israelites were set, what if God just dropped a meteorite and took out the Egyptians? 
Like, what if he just wiped him out? Like, you know, just, just, I mean, God just showed he can do anything in the 10 plagues of Egypt. Like, God can do anything. What if God just wiped out the Egyptians right then and there while the Israelites were on the wrong side of their promise? Even though they were uncomfortable in Egypt, they were still comfortable. <laughs> Sometimes we get so conditioned by our issues, we're so used to our issues, it's almost like a, a weird comfortability that we almost are used to the way things are, even if they're dysfunctional. And if God had delivered them on the wrong side of the Red Sea, the wrong side of the promise, they probably would have set up camp. Probably. We're going to build a new town right here by the Red Sea. And yet, they would have missed their promised land. They would have missed, in fact, the point of them leaving was not just the promised land, it was to encounter God, to know God. Do you know it was a lot easier to get the Israelites out of Egypt than it would be to get Egypt out of the Israelites? Like he saved them from Egypt, but there would be not just years, but actually generations before God could get Egypt, the culture of Egypt, the idolatry of Egypt, the values of Egypt, the way of doing things in Egypt out of them. And even though they were, they geographically had been relocated, even though they had their Bible bumper sticker, they, they still gave hand signals like they were Egyptians. Okay. Okay. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. I got three things for you today to help you to go forward. And they're very simple, but they are essential. And we're going to go back a couple chapters real quick. Exodus 12. And it tells us the very first one. I mean, let me just tell you what they are first so we don't get lost. The first is the blood. The second is the spirit. And the third is the word. God's given us everything we need to be free and to stay free. To advance. First thing is the blood. Watch what happens in Exodus 12. This happens to be just before what we just read. Just before they leave Egypt and just before they're finally released by Pharaoh, the last thing is this, is this what happens. God comes to him and says, Here, here's what's going to take place. The last plague, the last judgment on Egypt is that the Lord was going to pass over all the households and the destroyer would come to every household and, the, and take the firstborn of Egypt. And God said to his people, here's what's going to happen. You're going to cover your households. And in Exodus 12, he says, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want every man to get a lamb for himself and for his house. Get a lamb for yourself and for your house. Don't just get it for the house. Get it for yourself too. Don't just get it for yourself. Get it for your house. And they get the lamb. And here's what he says. You're going to sacrifice the lamb. And then you're going to have a meal. And you have to find a lamb that's spotless, without blemish, and sacrifice it. And you're going to have a meal with that lamb, eat the whole thing, roast it with fire, have a barbecue. I'm with you. But then he says, also take the blood of that unblemished lamb, that innocent lamb, and apply it to your doorpost. They were to take, the Israelites took the blood and put it at the top of the doorpost and on the sides. And here's what God said, when I see the blood, he says, I'll pass over the house, but I'll also not permit the destroyer to touch that house. And, I, and I'll read that verse to you in a second, but here's what he says. I will not permit the destroyer when I see the blood. See, here's why the blood is necessary. And I know that was the blood of a sin, a, 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 an innocent lamb. And you think, that's just, why would, why would God say, sacrifice, kill an innocent 
lamb. Do you know, here's the problem. See, we, we, we all have within us an innate sense that, that there's right and wrong, there's justice and injustice. Just ask a child who's had their sibling take their favorite toy. That's not fair. <laughs> Even those that say there's no, uh, there's no objective morality. If you take their stuff, they'll say that's not fair. And here's what we do. For us, it's easier for us, this is just my experience, I know at least for me, it's easier for me to excuse my own mistakes and my own failures and even my own sins and want payback with somebody else. Like, I, I, I can excuse myself real easily. And then sometimes we look at mercy like that, like God showing mercy is God somehow overlooking my sin and going, well, that's just not a big deal. We'll just, we won't talk about that. But then we want, we see somebody else, we're like, payback, get them, God, get them. Want that, like make it happen. And, and, but here's the issue. God is both just and merciful. And God does not cease to be merciful because he's just, and he doesn't cease to be just because he's merciful, so he required a substitute. And for forgiveness to come to my life and yours, the innocent, it wasn't just that a life had to take a life because the guilty can't pay for the guilty. But an innocent lamb, a blemishless lamb, had to take the place of the guilty. And all of that was to point to a real sacrifice, a greater sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Here's what the Bible says. Your Bible says this about Jesus. 1 Peter 1.18, For you know that it was not with perishable things like silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. He didn't just redeem you from sin, and that's what this is describing, but there's a whole empty way of life that the world's after. Listen, even if people don't recognize the guilt of sin, here's what they do feel. There's an emptiness, and there's a sense of longing for meaning that they will not find apart from the Lamb. He says, you were handed this down from your ancestors. It was the way my family did it. It's the way their family did it. This is the way. Okay. <laughs> but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Number one, if you're taking notes, we need to apply the blood. How are you free? How are you forgiven? It's, it's, it's a recognition because many people, I found Christians who've been following Jesus for years still deal with the problem of shame. Still often deal with, they have a hard time praying because they feel like, well, I can't really, I'm not like them. <laughs> I'm not like the prayer team at church. It's more spiritual than me. I'm not like the pastors or the missionary. I'm not like those, and we have this own sense because we don't know their story, but we know us. We know the argument we just had with our spouse on the way to church, none of you, somebody else. First service, okay, yeah. There, there, there's that, there's that, there's that. Here's, here's what happens. We, we don't know their story, and so we think, oh, they're more spiritual, and they have better access to God. Nobody has access to God apart from the Lamb. Nobody has access to God. On my best day, I'm not good enough. But thank God for the blood. For a lamb that was shed in my place and yours, the basis of your forgiveness is not that you earned it, worked at it, deserved it, but it was his sacrifice and his blood and the lamb that was slain 2,000 years ago on a cross. Right. You say, well, I understand that and I received that when I became a Christian. If you never received that, you can today. Real forgiveness, real hope, real confidence that heaven's your home. Knowing that you're free, but even as a Christian that's been following Jesus and gone to church and read your Bible, 
Is there still something? Is the voice of the accuser, oh, there, got dark. Is the voice of the accuser, <laughs> listen to the voice, turn the light down. Here, here's what the Bible says. In, in Revelation chapter 12, I heard a loud voice saying, now salvation, not, not someday, now. Now salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, that's who the devil is. He's an accuser. He's a liar. He's a, the accuser of the brethren who accused them day and night before God, day and night has been cast down. And they, God's people, overcame him. And the first thing that's mentioned that's the key in the arsenal of the people of God to overcome the accuser is the blood of the lamb. Oh, you've got an accusation, devil, but I've got a lamb. You've got an argument, but I've got a lamb. There's nothing in this world. I cannot rescue enough puppies to earn my way to heaven. Cue Sarah McLaughlin's music. <laughs> but but here, here's the problem. We, we think, well, if I'm good enough, if I fix this, change that, whatever, it all starts with the blood. If, if, if not for the blood, nothing changes. The basis of my forgiveness is the blood. The basis of my healing is the blood. The basis of my freedom is the blood, the blood of Christ. And we need to receive that and apply that. Uh, you know, back in the church, old saints used to say, I plead the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? So, so we, the only other time I've, I've heard somebody use that phrase plead anymore other than pleading for mercy or going before court is, is when, when they're on trial and, and they plead the Fifth Amendment. And in our Constitution, we have a, a protection that you have a right not to incriminate yourself so you can plead the Fifth Amendment. In other words, I don't have to testify against myself. I'm appealing to something that protects me. What does the blood of Christ do when it's applied to my life? Yes, I'm washed. Yes, I'm forgiven, but I'm also covered. And I'm protected. And what did God say? I'm not gonna let the destroyer come to your house. What's a destroyer? In Hebrew, that word destroyer means, means the, the ruiner, the one that perverts, it means to twist, the one that decays and destroys. That's, that's the idea. So, so he says, you're protected. Why? Because of the blood. Church, what do we need to pray? What do we need to stand on? What should affect our life and our relationships? What gets us out of Egypt just like it got them out of Egypt? It's the blood of the lamb. Number two is they followed the cloud. They followed the cloud. Watch what happens as they leave Egypt God led the people, verse 18 of chapter 13, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed, uh, let's jump ahead, uh, verse 21, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. Now, I'm, I'm from the desert, and just like about this time of year, you're gonna run from your car to the building, because of the snow, we had to do the same thing in the summer in the desert because it was hot. And so we could use some of that right now, use some hot. Uh, but here's what, I, I, here's what you needed when the sun's beating down and it's blazing and the pavement's cooking you from the bottom up and, and you got all that going on. What, what do you need? You need some cloud cover. Why did he give a cloud? The cloud provided shade and refreshing by day. But then at night, the cloud was a pillar of fire to give them light, verse 21. And what was this 
pillar. What does it say? Verse 21, the Lord went before them. So this is the Lord's presence. God himself is traveling with the people of Israel. God's presence led them, led them all the way to the boundary of the Red Sea. And it could have looked like God led them, and they're, you know, they're, they're complaining at Moses, but really it's, they're blaming God. Moses, why'd you lead us here? You ever say that to God? Like, God, why, why am I in this situation? <laughs> why, why am I here? Why are they here? Why is this? Like, we, we have those moments, and, and, and we think that they were led to a dead end, but we know the end of the story. They were led to an opportunity for a miracle. And we don't follow a physical cloud, but you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will not leave you an orphan, but I will come to you. Here's how. I'm going to pray the Father and ask him to send another helper just like me. Another helper that he would abide with you and be with you forever. It's in John 14 and 16. He talks about the helper, the Holy Spirit. That word helper is the paraclete, the one called alongside. So the Holy Spirit is called alongside to help you, to strengthen you. He dwells in you as a believer in Jesus. He fills you and empowers you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit to do what you're created to do. We need the Holy Spirit. The blood sets us free. But what did they learn by following the cloud of the presence of God? They learned to not depend on themselves, but to depend upon God. Many times we go back to Egypt because we're trying to do it on our own, our own way, in our own strength. I'm not going to mess up like last time. I'm going to do it different. But we, as long as we're dependent on our own abilities, our own flesh, our own wisdom, we'll always go back to Egypt. And it's dependence on the Holy Spirit every day, learning God, lead me. God, you set the course. I need your help. I need your... The, the inheritance of the church is to be filled, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Follow the cloud. And as you follow him, the result will be freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says, there's what? Liberty. There's freedom. What does it mean for him to be the spirit of the Lord, though? Lord means he sets the course. He directs. If he's Lord, I'm not. And I'm trusting him to lead. He's called the spirit of truth who the world can't receive, but, but, but here's what he says. He will dwell in us and with us and he leads us into all truth. So, so the Holy Spirit helps us to walk in freedom, to walk out of our captivity and he doesn't lead you to a dead end church. He leads you into the promise of God. He leads you into the impossible. Exodus 14, let's go back to that and I'll give you the third one. I already mentioned it's the word, but it's not just the word of God by itself. It's what happens in response to the word because here's what takes place. Fast forward, Pharaoh's let them go. They follow the cloud. Cloud parks them right by the Red Sea and they cry out because Egyptians are hot in pursuit. They're gonna bring us back. Moses is bad. He says, God, I need your help. <laughs> Stand still, guys. What do you got, God? Got anything? God says, here's what I want you to do. Tell them to go forward. Here's what God tells him in, in Exodus 14, verse 16. Moses, lift up your rod. He had a shepherd's staff that he carried for 40 years as a shepherd. He says, lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel will go up on dry ground through the midst of the sea, and I will indeed harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They will follow them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army. Well, God, wouldn't it be easier if there wasn't a devil around to... Uh, listen... 
God's going to get glory in crushing that thing under your feet. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and I will gain honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So verse 21, Moses does it. He stretches out his hand over the sea. He, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea into dry land. The waters were divided. One of the greatest miracles in all of history, in all of the Bible, the parting of the Red Sea. Watch what happens. The children of Israel went in the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right and unto their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. The Lord tells Moses, stretch your hand back over the sea, and the waters may come upon the Egyptians, their chariots, their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. What does God do at the Red Sea? Two things. He delivers them out and he crushes the enemy. But what brought about the Red Sea? Obviously, it's the power of God. It's a miracle of God. But what did God tell Moses? Tell them to go forward. There's an action based on the word. So number three is to act on the word. How do we experience freedom from our Egypt? First, we have the blood as the foundation of our forgiveness, our, 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 our being set free, redeemed, restored to God. We have the leading and dependence daily upon the Holy Spirit, but then we need the truth of the word of God. Here's what the word of God does. It exposes the lie. I'm as bound as the lies I accept, and I'm as free as the truth I accept. And it's not just that I have a Bible study. I I believe in Bible studies. We have Bible studies. I love to teach the Bible. But it's not enough to just know what the Bible says, but to act on what it says. Because when I apply it to my life, I don't even have to understand it all to apply it. I don't understand why he wants me to forgive some difficult people. But he said to do it. And when you act on the word, what does he do? He does the impossible. He parts the waters. He makes a way where there was no way. Jason, if you want to come up. He makes a way where there was no way. And not only that, but he makes it possible for that thing that is in pursuit of you to be crushed, destroyed, and never to rear its head again. Act on the word. There's some things in my life that take a, take a trickle of the water of the word. <laughs> and there's some things that take a flood. But either way, just keep pouring it out. Keep walking in it. Keep applying it. Keep inviting the Holy Spirit to lead you in it. When you act on the word, the impossible is made possible. What, was there anything special about the staff or the rod of Moses? No. Was there anything special? Like a Moses just waved his hand. Like this is how Moses got up in the morning. Part traffic. No, the, the miracle was in response to the word that was given. Where God commands, he gives grace to accomplish. Act on his word. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. Prayer team, if you come to the front. It's time to leave Egypt. It's time to leave behind what has held you and I captive. And for some of us, we left Egypt a long time ago, but now we see on the horizon those things coming back again. 
threatening to take us back, capture our family, destroy our marriage, erode our integrity, undermine our faith. Today is your day of freedom because of Jesus. You have a lamb. You have a lamb. And the blood of Jesus was enough for all your sin and all your shame and all your past. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.